Today we come to the very end of our series, which has been somewhat extended, on how to overcome evil. In this series, we've been looking at verses 14 through 21 of the 12th chapter of Romans. And we've been talking about that general principle, which we discussed first, that occurs in verse 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And we've looked at all the ways in which God says this is necessary and how this is possible. And now we've come to one of the most interesting kinds of responses that we must make. In verse 20, we read, If your enemy is hunger, feed him. And if he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals upon his head. Now that's a verse that has given a lot of people a lot of concern. And I'm going to try to explain that verse to you today and to show you what it means. Certainly it doesn't mean when he says by doing good to your hungry or thirsty enemy that you will heap burning coals upon his head. It doesn't mean that this is a way of taking vengeance upon him. Because in the very last verse we just finished reading, never take your own vengeance or revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. We take vengeance, then we try to steal God's uh, job from him. No, vengeance is his job. Our job is to do good to those who do evil to us. And it's very clear that between verse 19 and verse 21, when verse 20 appears, that it's not contradicting the two. Verse 21 tells us not to be overcome by evil, but to overcome evil with good, not with vengeance, but with good. So it's very clear then that in heaping coals upon the head, or as that really means charcoal embers upon someone's head, that this, is, this figure does not mean that we are supposed to take vengeance on him in some way. As a matter of fact, the whole first part of that verse is saying that we should do good to our enemy. Here's an enemy. And this enemy is hungry, or this enemy is thirsty. We're to give him something to eat, feed him. We're to give him something to drink, take care of his thirst. That means that love gives. And you know, what love really is in the Bible is not feeling first, but it is giving first. The way that one expresses his love for his enemy is to give his enemy whatever it is that that enemy needs that he has. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Galatians 2.20, he loved me and gave himself for me. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Love is expressed in the scriptures first by giving. And so if we're going to love our enemies, which is what this verse is talking about, if we're going to love our enemies, we're going to do good to those enemies. We're not going to repay back evil for evil. We're not going to curse those who persecute us. We're going to bless those who persecute us. We're going to return good for evil, and we're not going to take vengeance upon others. Now, of course, giving a cup of cold water or giving a ham sandwich is not uh, the only thing that Paul is talking about here. That's just a way of saying whatever your brother your, or your, your enemy needs is what you must give to him if it's in your power to give it to him. 
This is how you win the battle with evil. This is how you defeat the enemy. And that's exactly what that second part of the verse is talking about. This section quoted from Proverbs 25, verses 21 and 22, about feeding and, and giving drink to one's enemy and thereby heaping burning embers uh, of charcoal upon his head. It's not talking about punishing him, but it's talking about bringing such pressure upon him thereby that you really overcome him. Uh, you throw a lot of uh, coals on a person's head and he, you've got him. Uh, he's, he's had it. If you've got him in that position, he's subdued. You've won. And that's what it's talking about. You've defeated him. You've won the battle. You've brought him to repentance. It's not to punish him. That's God's job. If he doesn't come to repentance, God will uh, bring vengeance upon him in the day of reckoning, in the day of Jesus Christ, as we saw in 2 Thessalonians 1. He will avenge those who do not know God. But better than vengeance, better than that eternal punishment, is to win the man for Jesus Christ, to win the battle and take him captive for Christ, to knock down all of the high and proud arguments and to knock down all of the other things by love, by, by loving one's enemy, demonstrating that love through giving to him and thereby bringing him to such deep repentance that it's like coals of fire heaped upon him and he stops his persecution and indeed he stopped in his tracks and he is taken captive for Jesus Christ. You know, it's very clear that that's what Paul's talking about even though some people have missed it in expositing this passage because that's exactly what God does with us. In Romans 2, he tells us about this very method in verse 4 in the same book of Romans. Listen to what Paul says. Do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience? He's saying now to uh, people reading, he says, uh, God has been kind. He's, been, he's forborne all sorts of things against himself, and he's been patient with sinners. Why? Why is this? Well, listen to this now. Not knowing that the kindness of God is to lead you to repentance? You see, that's the very point. God himself uses this method of bringing men to repentance. He does good. He gives to his enemies to drink and to eat of the good that he showers upon them. Uh, there's no difference between the field of the just and the unjust. The same rain falls upon both fields. And God gives fruitful seasons even to unbelievers who hate him, who are enemies of his. Indeed, while we were enemies, the scripture says, Christ died for us. So you see what we have, a method that we know works because the very cross itself is the very heart of this method, whereby Jesus, suffering through that persecution of the cross, brought about everlasting life to those who come to know him as their Savior. Now look, here's how you can do this. Here's how you can do this in a practical way. Whenever someone becomes your enemy, start examining what his needs are. Find a need of his, a very clear-cut, plain need. Then secondly, look at your own resources to see what you have, what you possess, what you own, what you could do, what sort of service you could give, what sort of things you could share, whatever it is in your resources that will meet this enemy's need. And then look for or make an opportunity to bring your resources together with his need 
in such a way that you can really meet it. This is what we ought to be doing actively all of the time. All right, now sit down and think about it. Who are your enemies? Who are they? Come on now, write them all out on a piece of paper. Write down those four or five, six, one, two, however many names it is. And then under each one, write down the needs. Then write down your resources. And thirdly, write down a way of bringing the two together. God's going to use you to bring some coals of fire, some people to repentance, if you do. Lord, bless. Help us to win the battles for Christ's sake. Amen.